0: You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is entitled Cleansing. Hello my radio friends, welcome to the program today. Since the outbreak of coronavirus from around March 2020, there have been intense measures made to cleanse the world of that nasty virus. It is certain that your life has been impacted in some way by the attempts to eradicate this virus from society. Deep cleaning has occurred at places where the virus has been identified having infected someone. Hand cleanser has been produced and used in enormous quantities. Manufacturers of antiseptics, germicidals, masks, protective clothing and cleaning agents have boosted production and profits and many people have been hired to keep buildings clean to prevent any contact infections of the virus. It's well known that disease thrives in unhygienic conditions. The Black Death, otherwise known as the plague, the pestilence or the great mortality, has been responsible for up to 200 million deaths in the 1300s. The importance of hygiene was recognised only in the 19th century with the development of the germ theory of disease. Until then, streets were commonly filthy with live animals of all sorts around and human parasites including fleas, lice, flies and mosquitoes abounding, facilitating the spread of transmissible disease. Rats in the filth probably spread the plague as well. It's nice to be clean. After getting dirty, washing the grime away in a warm bath or shower brings a feeling of relief. Yet not everyone likes to live in clean conditions. Specialist cleaners make a living from other people's uncleanliness, going into their homes and getting rid of the horde of mess. Even TV programs feature such scenarios. But it's not just one's surroundings that need cleansing. Other things that need cleansing are things as lifestyle, speech, morals, and attitudes. When one stops and really thinks about this subject, we're involved in a society that, like the cities of the Black Plague times, is full of filth. Scammers, officials accepting bribes, corrupt police, dishonest dealings, marriage infidelity are ah, but a few examples of the moral filth in society. In recent times, companies have been making lots of money by promoting liver cleansing products. Yes, products that are supposed to cleanse the liver. Your liver represent the human body's primary filtration system, converting toxins into waste products, cleansing your blood and metabolising nutrients and medications to provide the body with some of its most important proteins. As such, a fundamental part of the body's overall regulation, it's paramount to keep your liver healthy and to limit overindulgence. In recent years, many products have flooded the market purporting to detox and cleanse your liver. If you considered using any of these products, here is some information that may make you give the topic further thought. For example, myth number one. Advertising for liver cleansers suggests liver cleansers are important for daily health maintenance and are especially helpful after you've overindulged. Medical research has shown with alcohol or food less is always best when it comes to liver health and cleansers have not been proven to rid your body of damage from excess consumption. Myth number two liver cleansers are a safe and healthy way to lose weight. Well, there's no clinical data to support the efficacy of these cleansers. In fact, some dietary supplements can actually cause harm to the liver by leading to drug-induced injury. And therefore, those products should be used with caution. Myth number three... You cannot protect yourself against liver disease. Well, contrary to this myth, there are many preventative steps that you can take to protect yourself against liver disease. For example, do not drink alcohol in excess. Men should not consume more than three drinks per day, and women should not consume more than two drinks per day to prevent the development of alcoholic liver disease. Well, here are some other steps. Avoid weight gain. Maintain your body mass index in the normal range, 18 to 25, by eating healthy and exercising on a regular basis. Secondly, beware engaging in risky behaviours. To avoid the risk of acquiring viral hepatitis, do not engage in behaviours such as illicit drug use. having unprotected sex with multiple partners. The third point, know your risk factors. If you have risk factors for liver disease it's important to go for screening as chronic liver disease can be silent for years and go unrecognized. Excessive alcohol use, family history of liver disease or hepatitis C Are the main risk factors. Now we come to myth number four, liver cleansers can correct existing liver damage. Well liver cleansers have not been proven to treat existing liver damage but there are many other forms of treatment available for those who are affected. Now we come to myth number five, Obesity does not increase your risk of liver disease. Well the facts are that obesity obesity significantly significantly increases your risk of developing non alcoholic fatty liver disease. Due to the rising epidemic of obesity around the world, the prevalence of non alcoholic fatty liver disease is rapidly increasing and is expected to overtake hepatitis C as the leading indication for liver transplant in the next 30 years ultimately the best thing you can do to keep your liver healthy is to treat it well avoid frequent overconsumption of food and or alcohol maintain a healthy diet and exercise program And get screened if you have liver disease risk factors and if you do have liver disease work with your doctor to come up with the healthiest and safest plan for your personal needs. Now as I've shared with you in several previous programs one's lifestyle that is what we eat drink and do has a significant effect on our health. Treat your body well, and you should live a long, happy, healthy life. Whether you have a liver, skin or arteries that need cleansing, there is a more significant issue of where most people need cleansing, and that is in regard to sin. We live in a world that is polluted by sin. My personal understanding of the world's pollution problems is that sin and greed is a far greater problem than air pollution, greenhouse gas pollution and plastics pollution because sin is a universal problem about one and a half centuries after God created the world, as is stated in Genesis 6-5, which says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart sin polluted the earth back then and sin is the main pollutant in our time many people are aware of sin and about the cleansing from sin but don't realize where sin first came from i've heard this thought expressed if god made a perfect world what's gone wrong well jesus told a parable it sheds some light on the subject, and it's found in Matthew 13, verses 24 to 30. It says, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed head, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. What is the key statement in this passage? Well, it is, an enemy did this. When God created the world and everything in it, it was very good. There was no sin. There was no disharmony, hate, fear, dishonesty, or selfishness. But Satan, a rebel angel, who had been evicted from heaven along with many angels who he tricked into believing God was a selfish despot, came to planet Earth and was the influence causing our first parents, Adam and Eve, to sin by going against what God had told them to do. And that has been the problem ever since. And everyone, yes, everyone since, has been branded with the same brush. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 summarizes the problem. It says, Therefore, just as through one man, Adam, sin entered the world and death through sin, and that death spread to all men because all have sinned. God was not responsible for bringing sin into the world. He was brought in by the enemy, Satan. He is the one who's brought all the trouble to mankind. But God, being God, could not leave us to our own devices. He stepped in and made a way of escape for those who are willing. What he did was to take the punishment for all the sins of the world on himself. Jesus Christ is God. 1 Timothy 3.16 explains, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. That is enough evidence of who Jesus actually was. We're going to go on with more straight after the break.
1: He turned the water into wine He turned the water into wine In the little Cana town The word went all around that He turned the water into wine Well, he walked upon the Sea of Galilee He walked upon the sea of Galilee Shouted far and wide He calmed the raging tide And walked upon the sea of Galilee He turned the water into wine Didn't my Lord now He turned the water into wine In the little kingdom The word went all around He turned the water into wine He healed the leper and the lame He healed the leper and the lame He said go and tell no man But they shouted it through the land He healed the leper and the lame he turned the water into wine, didn't I, Lord, now? He turned the water into wine. In the little king of town, the word went all around that he turned the water into wine. He fed the hungry multitude. Didn't he, brought Yes. He fed the hungry multitude With a little bit of fish and bread They said everyone was fed He fed the hungry multitude He turned the water into wine He turned the water into wine Didn't a carpenter from Nazareth In the Cana town The word went all around. He turned
0: the water. Well, there's some further evidence of Jesus as being God, but the Bible further explains in Romans 5 verses 6 to 11 how Jesus became our substitute to cleanse us from our sins. And I'll read to you from the Amplified Bible: While we were still helpless. And powerless to provide for our own salvation. At the right time Christ died as a substitute for the ungodly. Now it's an extraordinary thing for one to willingly give up his life even for an upright man, though perhaps for a good man, that's one who's noble and selfless and worthy, someone might even dare to die. But God clearly shows and proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore, since we've now been justified, declared free of the guilt of sin by his blood, how much more certain is it that we will be saved from the wrath of God through him? For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, it is much more certain, having been reconciled, that we will be saved from the consequences of sin by his life. That is, we will be saved because Christ lives today. Not only that, but we also in God rejoice in God. Rejoicing in his love and perfection through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received and enjoy our reconciliation with God. That is the what. But how is the cleansing from sin achieved? 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 gives the answer If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There are four steps to take to be cleansed from the pollution of sin. The first is to acknowledge that you've done wrong. The second is to confess what you've done to the Lord. Thirdly, you must ask for forgiveness. And fourthly, based on God's promise, you must believe That you have been forgiven. And some would add a fifth step, and it is to walk in the light. In the New Testament, walking in the light is directly related to following Jesus, who said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And that's from John chapter 8, verse 12. To walk is to live one's life. One's lifestyle or way of life can be considered a walk. The word also indicates progress. Walking is related to growth. It is taking steps towards maturity. And of course, light in the Bible can be a metaphor for life, happiness, righteousness, understanding and truth. The Bible is clear that light comes from the Lord God, the Father of heavenly lights. That's from James 1.17. He is the opposite of evil. Putting it all together, walking in the light means growing in holiness and maturing in the faith as we follow Jesus. The Apostle John repeatedly used the light metaphor in relation to the Messiah, for example, he writes that Jesus is the true light that gives light to every man. And in 1 John 1.7 he says, If we walk in the light, as he, God, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. In verse 5, John says that God's very nature is light. Jesus, then, is the conduit or provider of light to the world. You know, giving up smoking is not easy. Giving up drugs is not easy. Giving up bad habits is not easy. Changing an unhealthy to a healthy lifestyle is not easy unless you have powerful reasons to make the change. On your own, giving up sin is hard you must have powerful reasons to even make the choice to change. The load of sin can become very heavy and our hearts become remorseful because of our past sinful life. God wants us to surrender our life to him in true repentance. When God sees our broken and contrite heart and our readiness to, to fully do his will. He forgives our past sinful life and we receive forgiveness and peace. This freedom is not something that comes through human reasoning. It's a work of the Holy Spirit in the heart that converts us to a new life. Through this power of the Holy Spirit, we have faith to trust God so we can lay down our own will and forgive others. The Holy Spirit is our helper. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. The Bible way of forgiveness is beautiful. A trusting faith in the sacrifice of Jesus, coupled with a complete surrender to God and his will, removes the guilt from our hearts. Our sins are completely covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. The forgiveness that God gives to us takes away our offences and hurts. He wipes the slate clean and forgets our sins. And their iniquities will I remember no more, he promises in Hebrews 8.12. What a wonderful freedom we can experience when God forgives our sins and when we can forgive our fellow man. You too can experience this in your heart and life. Come to the Lord today. You can be cleansed from the pollutant of sin in your life no matter how bad you've been. God's cleansing is more powerful than disinfectant and it doesn't lose its effectiveness. God's cleansing is free and makes you free. I recommend it.